Welcome to Elevate. We meet every Friday at 4 o'clock. Just kidding. What time is it? What time do we meet? 7 p.m., right? Just to catch y'all, make sure you're paying attention. Bree looked at me like, what you mean? So 7 p.m. every Friday, okay? So if you're watching online, we'd rather have you here. Now, I'm the youth director here, Joseph Bonilla, one of the deacons that serves this church, and I want to give you guys a word, okay? If we can go to the sermon slide today. So we're in a sermon series called The Fall. Everybody say The Fall. And what season are we in? Did that on purpose. Did that on purpose, right? So we can remember the fall. So you can look back and you're like, man, there's that one sermon series. You know, I remember something he said. When did it happen? Oh, it happened in the fall. And then the sermon series was the fall. Isn't that kind of clever, Will? All right, boasting the Lord. Just kidding. I'm not boasting myself. Boasting the Lord, right? It's not that clever. Listen, guys. Can you guys read that title for me real quick? Enter sin and death, right? So, again, this, I want to I wanna encourage you guys, right? This is a time where we're supposed to be reading our Bibles. If you have not done it yet, start a Bible plan. Read the whole Bible in a year. Read the whole Bible in a year. And you know what? A lot of times we make excuses like, oh, man, I'm busy. Listen, thanks to you version Bible app, right? No, I'm just, I'm not advertising for them. But thanks to you version Bible app, you can listen to the Bible. Literally, every morning... I listen to about four chapters while I work out, and I don't work out much because I have, because <laughs> it's busy now, you know what I'm saying? You know, I, I, but it's, it, it, I'm able to listen to it, able to stop, able to rewind. So we have really no excuse in this 21st century. If you're able to, to make a TikTok video, if you're able to watch TikTok videos, if you're able to go on YouTube, if you're able to go on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Spotify, you're able to click on that Bible app and listen, right? But what I want to encourage you guys to do is read the Bible as a, a story, as a story, because that's exactly what it is. 47% of the Bible is narrative, and I went through that yesterday, I mean last week, not yesterday, y'all weren't here yesterday, neither was I, but we went through that last week, okay? So what I'm saying right now is, is you should be reading the story, you should be intrigued, because this is a story that you're involved in, a story that your Savior is revealed in. Okay, so let's, let's all turn to Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. You see, as we're learning this story, we left off at a very, uh, it's a very crazy moment, right? It's a very crazy moment. Adam and Eve, right, mankind, had just been exiled from the garden. This creator, this God who meticulously created the world out of his goodness, had just cursed his creation, and had just cursed the serpent. We're introduced to some characters here. And the characters, right, they're not doing so good. God himself, right, is blocking man from coming back to the garden. They're wandering. But in their wandering, right, they're remembering that curse that God gave to the serpent. They're thinking on it. They're remembering it. They're looking back that God said that the serpent would be crushed. His head would be crushed and that he would bite the heel of the seed of Eve. Everybody say the seed of Eve. 
See, this is going to be a big thing that we're going to talk about a lot because that is something that's repeated throughout the Bible. And if you pay attention, if you look and you watch closely to the story, you'll see it over and over and over, these parallels, these themes. See, God is telling us the story to help us understand who the seed is and what he was to, uh, supposed to accomplish. So Adam and Eve, mankind, they're casted off, they're naked, they're ashamed, they put clothes on, and they're, they're trying to, to, to live outside of this, this, this garden. They're living outside the garden. They're trying to work now, and they're seeing how hard it is, and they decide to do what they were created for, and that means have a baby. So they have a baby, right? Then they have another, and these two boys are called Cain and Abel. Everybody say Cain and Abel. So Cain and Abel, everybody should, everybody should know about him. And if you don't, don't feel bad, right? But Cain and Abel, they're the first two sons. The first two sons. So this is special. This is crazy. This is the first birth in this story. This is now life being given again. So now we're in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. In this right, this world outside the garden, they still have to tend the field, right? This time, it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder. Not everything works out the way it should. So Abel, his job was to keep track of the flocks, to make sure he's the shepherd. Abel is the shepherd, tending the flocks, tending the livestock. And Cain, he works the soil. That means what does he do? He plants, he gardens. In the course of time, Cain, he brings some fruit. Uh, he brings some of the fruit of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brings an offering. But Abel brings a different type of offering. He brings fat portions from uh, some of the firstborn of his flock. Everybody say firstborn. That's another. What, what are we talking about? We're talking about seeds, offspring. Offspring's a big thing in, in this story. Right? This is the firstborn that he's giving to God. And he's saying, listen, this is for you, God. The firstborn has a lot of uh, implications in history for mankind. The firstborn is the one who receives all the inheritance. The firstborn is usually the one who is supposed to lead the legacy now. So this is important even for animals. And, and he gives his firstborn. Not only that, but this is the first one that's coming out. This is, his, this is the next part of his flock. This is what he depends on, and he's giving it to God. So, you know, this is a contrast in the story. What the Bible's saying is that Cain, he's coming, and he's not bringing his best to God. What he's saying, he's keeping the, the, the best for himself. And Abel is giving his best to God. He's giving his first to God. He's not concerned because he knows that even though we're not in the garden, we still have some type of connection to this creator. And this creator can provide, and this creator is still good. You see, he's convinced that he can trust in this creator. And remember, what I'm saying that the theme of the Bible is, is that it's God convincing man to trust in him, to trust in him. And, uh, and Abel, he's convinced. So the Lord, he looks with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. It means he didn't see, he was not impressed. He did not have any joy. He, he wasn't like, man, good job, Cain. So Cain, how does Cain react? He looks at that and he's like, come on, I brought stuff too. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. 
He was disappointed. He was ashamed. He was embarrassed. He was angry. And isn't that typical of man? When we don't get, when we're not rewarded for something we felt like we did, and we feel like we deserve some recognition, we feel like we deserve some praise, we feel like we deserve some favor, some worship. We get downcast, we get angry, and Cain was no different. So the Lord, the Lord, he's, he, he's not blind to this. Just like he wasn't blind to Adam and Eve when they tried to hide from him, he wasn't blind to Cain now when he was downcast. And the Lord says to Cain, why are you angry? Why are you mad? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Everybody say sin. You see, now there's another character, and I say character. That's right, I say character for sin. Because sin is not always just an action. Matter of fact, it's using it as a noun. This story is giving a character to sin. And sin is a little bit different than the serpent. You see, sin is more of a beast. He's more, he's more wild. He's not as cunning. He's not as deceiving. You see, sin isn't going to... He isn't going to, like, you know, just tempt you. This is, this is after temptation. Temptation is already done. Sin, what he's going to do is he's going to devour you. He's going to kill you. He's going to destroy you. You see, he's not going to play games with you. He's going to take your life. And he's saying right now that sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you. That means what does it do? It desires to have you, to possess you, to make you its own. It's not like the serpent. It's not. It's a different character. But what does he say? He says, you must rule over it. Isn't that what man was supposed to do? do? It was, he was supposed to rule. Mankind was supposed to rule. But now, right, there's another character who's going to rule. That's sin. You see, sin is now going to rule now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So Cain takes Abel and he says, let's go out in the field. They've probably been in the field many times. And as they're walking, we don't know how it happened. Maybe Cain saw a rock. Maybe maybe Cain said, Abel, why don't you pick that for the Lord? Why don't we bring that back to our parents? Man, it said something. Along the lines of that. But all we know now is that at a certain point in this field, Cain grabs something, does something, chokes Abel out. It doesn't, we don't know for sure. He kills his brother. This is the first death. This is the first death. And what did God say? He says, surely if you eat from this tree, you will die. So we know there was this, there was, there was something that happened, right? I won't get into it. There was some type of death that happened. Which to Adam and Eve. But this is now death outside the garden. The first one. We're introduced to death now. And death isn't in a character. But death is, death is a, it's a part of the despair now. It's a pattern. It's a reality now. Everybody say reality. You see what Cain just now did was something that was going to continue to be done. 
after generation after generation, brother against brother, father against son, son, mother against mother, family against family, nation against nation, uh, neighbor against neighbor. You see what he did right there was just start a pattern. Jealousy of anger of coveting. You see, before the law even happened, he had broke the law. He had sinned. Sin was already here. So now we're introduced to sin and sin and death. But, right, in this world of despair, we still have hope. We still have hope. After Cain and Abel, there's evil men like Lamech, which is the son of Cain. There's evil people like the people of Babel. And then there's evil people like the generation of Noah. And I'm encouraging you guys to read that. But the generation of Noah was so wicked that every thought, God said, that they thought was evil. Every thought. That's not that hard to believe. That's not that hard to believe. In all seriousness, that's not that hard to believe. If you were to get into the mind and to the hearts of people that you know at your school, you would see that's not that hard to believe. Calvin, that, that, that's true. It could even be the person next to you. You see, you don't understand because God knows the hearts. He knows the heart. Calvin putting people on blast. But that's the truth. I know, I know before I met Jesus, every thought, every single thought was wicked and I loved it. Every single thought was wicked and I loved it. And I was proud of it. See, there's a difference between sinning and boasting about your sin. And the generation of Noah was boasting about his sin, their sin. But we won't get too deep into that generation. What we'll get into, too, is the seed. Because remember, there's still hope, right? It's the seed. So there's an offspring that comes. There's this, there's this man named Noah. And if we can go to the picture of Noah, please. There's this picture of Noah. And Noah, Noah's chosen. No, that's Abraham. Sorry. That's Abraham. You see the dude with the stars? That's Abraham. Noah's the guy. I sent you the picture. He's the dude with the animals. It's to do with the animals. There you go. That's my man Noah. Chilling. Chilling with Aslan. Chilling with uh, Curious George. Do you understand that Noah, Noah is a new Adam? Understand that Noah was a new Adam. In this wicked, wicked world, God that's, that's dark, right? That's evil. We go back to the beginning of the story. The world was dark. And what does God do? See, God kind of almost does this wipeout, kills the world, but only spares one family. And in this family is this one man that he says to be fruitful, to multiply. And he tells him that he's going to spread this over the world. And there's the animals that are with him, just like they were with Adam. He, is he going to be this new seed? Is he going to crush the serpent for us? Is he going to defeat sin? Is he going to defeat death? We find out he doesn't. Instead, when he's, obviously, you know, he's tending the land. That's part of the story. He's tending the land, and he makes a vineyard for himself. And out of the pleasures of his vineyard, he gets drunk, and he sins. And his son, we don't know for sure, sins with him. Yeah, he gets dirty. Yeah, we don't know what that means, but we can only assume. And then there's an exile. This time it's not God cursing his son. It's Noah cursing his son, telling him to leave the presence. So you understand this is now a pattern. But wait, there's still hope. 
From Noah, there's a man named Abraham. Now go to the dude who's chilling with the stars. See, Abraham, how many of y'all like to just look at the stars sometimes? Not in Chicago, because you'll probably see like three. <laughs> you probably have to stare real hard. <laughs> well, we call them stars. And they're sons, actually. How far? Okay, who placed them there? God. So in that day, you know what they called them? Stars. But I get you, I get you, I get you. Science lessons from AJ. Thank you, AJ. We appreciate that. I like that. Give a kind clap for AJ. So Abraham is staring at these planets and these suns, but he calls them stars. The Lord calls them stars because if you were to tell them about other planets and, and suns, you know, in that day, they'd be like, what? What's going on? So I meant plant. Did I say planets and suns? I thought I meant, did I say planets and suns? Good. Okay. Hey, have grace. Okay. So he's looking at the stars, right? There's this guy named Abraham. And Abraham, he's another seed. He's another one of mankind. And what he's doing is he's just chilling. He's enjoying God's creation. But he doesn't know God. He doesn't know God. So now God comes, and he chooses him just like he chose Noah. And he tells him that he is going to bless him. And that through him, all of the world will be blessed, every nation. Do you understand that this is just like in the beginning of the story? When God tells Adam to be fruitful and multiply It's the same concept. God is trying to find this seed. And he chooses him. And Abraham, he receives and he obeys. He just simply believes God. He trusts him and, and he tells him to leave his pagan land and start worshiping him. And take his family with him. Because there's going to be a place where they're going to settle. A land where they're going to live. And he's going to bless them. They're going to have, they're going to have animals. They're going to have a, crops. They're going to have everything they need. But they just have to trust him. And there's one more thing he says. He says, you will have descendants. Everybody say descendants. Everybody say seeds. As numerous as the stars. As numerous as the stars. As numerous as the suns and the planets. As numerous as all of them. And Abraham's hearing this. He's a man that's, that's probably in his 50s or 60s at its time. He has no sons. And remember what I said about the firstborn. He wants the firstborn. He wants someone to continue his legacy. And he says, God, I believe you. And he obeys him and he leaves his home. And he travels to go far to find this perfect place. Is he the seed? We find out he's not. We find out he's not. In his, in his attempt to reach this place that God wants him to, to have and to possess, an attempt to see the seed come, and an attempt to see that he sleeps with someone that's not his wife, and he has a slave child. He, he disobeys God. He's not convinced. His wife convinces him instead to sleep with this woman. You see the, you see the parallel. This ma mankind... Not able to trust God and instead taking it in their own hands. They, there must be something God doesn't know. 
that I can know. It must be something good that God doesn't know that I could know. So just like Eve, Sarah told Abraham, and just like Adam, Abraham listened. And he took of the tree, took of Hagar. And now there's a slave child. And they live like this for a while. Finally, God gives them this promised child. We'll get into the details of this style. This, this, this person, Abraham's not the seed. But surely this promised child is the seed. His name is Isaac. He's not the seed either. So from, a, from, no, from Adam to Noah, from Noah to Abraham, even to his son, the promised child, his firstborn, there's no seed. Sin is still ruling. Death is still happening. And there is no hope, it seems. And from Abraham, there's Moses. And at this point, hope is gone. Hope is lost. God's people, Abraham's descendants, are slaves. Now Moses is a young boy who's saved from a, from a, a genocide. And Moses grows up as an Egyptian, but leaves Egypt after he kills a man. After he leaves Egypt, he encounters a burning bush. If we go to Moses, please. Now, Moses walks into this cave. He sees a bush on fire, and then all of a sudden, this bush starts talking. And it, it, it's a fire that doesn't go out. And, God, and, and, and it turns out to be this God, this character. But this character now is describing himself differently. He says that I am the I am. I am the I am. Yahweh. See, this character now is choosing Moses as this new Adam. And he's saying that you can know me now. I'm choosing you to know me. You see, how do you get to know someone? How does mankind know mankind? By name. You introduce yourself. So this is the, the, the introduction of the main character, God, back into the story of their life. And Moses, he's scared. But he ends up leading the Israelites by God's power out of slavery. And we see this miraculous thing. God uses this man, right? And he does this miraculous thing where he splits a sea. And God's people walks through it. Moses has to be the seed. He has to be. He's able to speak to God. He's able to get revelation from him. He's able to do miracles. He's, he's honest. He's loving. He's kind. He's interse he intercedes for his people. This has to be the seed. But then one day, God is providing for his people. His people start to complain. They feel like there's something that they're missing, that God isn't giving them. So Moses listens to the people, and he gets angry, and this rock that's pouring out water, he, he strikes the rock out of anger. And how, 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 how typical of man. Out of anger, you strike a child. Out of anger, you strike your wife. Out of anger, you strike your, bro your brother and kill him. See, this anger that affected Abel now is affecting Moses, who we thought was the seed. He fails. 
can't even, you see, this whole time, the Israelites, they're waiting for this land that Abraham was waiting for. He takes them there, but they die, and their, their children have to have it. So maybe it's one of their children. I mean, their children get to this perfect place, right, that God has prepared for them. So maybe it's their children. We get to their children. If we can go to David, please. And they continue to fail. They continue to fail. But there's this young man, this young man who is bold, who is courageous, who is convinced that he can trust God. And he kills an enemy of God's people. He becomes a king. God says he's a man after his own heart. Surely, this is the seed. He even says to God, God, I'm going to make you a place where you can dwell. I'm going to make you a place where you can rest in. Just like God rested on the seventh day. So he wants to remake Eve. He's, he wants to remake garden. He's probably seeing himself as, as the seed. God's telling him, your throne will last forever. And he's saying, this is me. I'm the seed. But what does he do one day? He sees a woman. He sees her. And she's beautiful. And what does he do? He desires to have her. So what does he do? Well, no, nothing different than Cain did to Abel. He kills his wife, or her wife, I mean her husband. He kills her husband. He sends him to the front lines to be killed. And then he sleeps with her. You see, this man who's supposed to be the seed kills his friend, sends him to the front lines, and then sleeps with his wife. David sees this woman and he thinks in his mind, I have to have her. I have to have her. God's like, you're a man after my own heart. He ignores God. He hides from God. Sin is crouching at his door. Sin doesn't just, sin doesn't just hold his hand. Sin devours him. He doesn't just kill the husband. He doesn't just sleep with the wife. He does both. And he hides it from God. He can't even get in the presence of God. In his prayers, he screams out that, God, have you forsaken me? Why have you turned away from me? This was the seed. This was the seed. You see, for every seed has failed. Every offspring has failed. They've never crushed the serpent. The serpent continues to devour. Sin continues to rule. Death continues to reign. There's no hope, it seems. Year after year, you have to understand that they were being taken. Now, Israelites were failing, and, and, and they were getting uh, taken captive by every nation, and they are crying out, God, where are you? God, where are you? And this is how he responds. He sends his son. If I can have Lawrence uh, up to the keys, please, and then altar call. If we can go to Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through, uh, verses 12 through 15. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. It says right here, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man. Who's the one man? Adam. Adam is the one man. And death through sin, in this way, death came to all people because all people sinned. 
all people sinned. So what do we see from here? We see that all people now sin. All people sin. And all people die. Sin and death, the curse, is still effective for generations. But it says, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses when over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of things of the one to come. Understand what Paul is saying here, and if you guys could all stand up, please. You see, a lot of us, we've sinned without even, we've, we've known we've sinned without even knowing the Bible. Understand that. Because even without the knowledge of, you know, these Ten Commandments, we've done what we know is wrong. Sin has ruled over everyone. You can talk to an atheist. You talk to a Buddhist. You talk to these perfect people that put themselves up so high on a pedestal. Sin rules over them. And death rules over them. Adam sinned without even knowing evil. Think about that. Adam sinned without even knowing evil. If we're waiting for someone, a lot of us, we put our hopes in people. We put our hopes in things. But all these things, all these people, they're fallen. There's only one person that can save us. And he's like Adam was. See, Adam was created, right? He was created. But how was he created? Good. He was created good, innocent, pure. So the only one, according to Paul, that can save us is someone that is innocent, good, and pure. Someone that sin has not devoured. Someone that death cannot rule over. And that person is the seed. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. See, in this time that we're, we're meeting this month, I want you guys to really understand the point of the Bible, the point of God's revelation to us, the point of God speaking to us is to show us this dude failed, that dude failed, this dude failed, that dude failed. But they were all pointing to one man that would not fail. And that is the God-man Christ. This person died. That person failed you. This person was a hypocrite. This person gossiped about you. This person lied. You stole. You cheated. You're not the one. I'm not the one. We've all failed in this room. We've all been devoured by sin at one point in our life. We're all going to face this thing called death. And the only way that we can participate and we can be counted among the descendants, the seeds, right? The stars, right? Like Abraham was given. The only way is as if we trust in Christ. If we become convinced 
of this gospel. That this Christ, even though through one man sin came in the world and death came also, now through one man life can come. And salvation can come. We're now, right, the, the sin that you think, a lot of people think they're depressed because of some chemical imbalance. A lot of people think they're lonely because no one's around them. A lot of people think that people are committing suicide because of these worldly things, right? They didn't have enough money. They didn't have enough uh, food. They didn't have enough, and, and they were just jealous of other, everyone else. Like, like, no, listen, understand right now that sin is the cause of all these things. Death is the cause of all these things. That's right. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's, it's not things of this world that are messing up. We're being attacked by this thing called sin. We are. He's crouching at your door. And the only way to rule over it is to trust in Christ. Is to trust in Christ. So if you guys can all bow your heads and close your eyes. Listen, if you have been ruled over by sin, it is simple. Trust in Christ. Cling to him. Hold on to him. Be convinced of this, is that you will fail. You will sin. You cannot save yourself. You cannot save yourself. But Christ is able. He's defeated sin. He's defeated death. He set people free from addiction. He set people free from perversion. He set people free from all types of sin. From lying, from stealing. He set people free. He set me free. So right now, I want you to confess your sins to him. Tell him, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me for my failures. I can't save myself, but Lord, you can save me. I believe that you died. I believe that you resurrected. You're the one, God, that can save me. You're the one, Lord. You're the one, Lord. The altar is open. If you want to confess your sin, the Bible says to confess your sin to one another. If you are dealing with something, if there's a sin that you can't seem to get over, then what I want you to understand right now is that we can pray for you, and the Bible says that you can be healed. Jesus is ready to set you free. He's ready to heal you. What God wants to do for you is something you cannot do for yourself. You cannot do for yourself. You may think, man, I can, I, can, I can cut off X, Y, and Z. I can just sin a little bit, then come back. Listen, that's not how sin works. That's not how a relationship with sin works. A little bit of sin, and sin will take a whole lot of you. You understand that? A little bit of sin, but sin will take a whole lot of you. It's a time to repent, turn away from your sin. Turn to God. Turn to God for the forgiveness of your sin for the cleansing of your sin, for the destruction of your sin.
again, if there's a sin that you cannot shake free from, this guilt, this shame that is eating you up, I want you to come up to these altars. Be set free. We believe in the power of God in this place. Father, Lord, we thank you, God, that, Lord, you love us, and that, God, you prepared salvation for us, Lord, that all we have to do is trust in Jesus' finished work, and we can be saved, that all we do is have to believe that Jesus has died, that he has resurrected, and we may be saved. Lord, we thank you, God, that you've made it so simple, Lord. We thank you that you've made a way, Lord, out of the blood of your Son. I pray that each and every one of us, God, would trust in you, that we would become convinced of your saving power. We'd become convinced of your freedom. We'd be convinced of the spirit that dwells in us, Lord. Pray that each and every one of us would, would be convinced that we would not doubt, but we would trust. And out of that trust, Lord, that we would spread your gospel in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.